Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Excited to be here. How you doing, Nick? (laughs) I'm fantastic. We're through week nine. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Welcome to the Shop Pass podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer, and as always, I'm here with Will Sawyer and Chris Heim and Phil Heim, and we're ready to talk all things NFL football for week nine. It was another weird week, a bunch of upsets. We've got a ridiculous logjam in the AFC. We're going to touch on that. We are going to talk about the OBJ situation in Cleveland and him essentially forcing his way out, uh, our thoughts on that, and where he's going to go next. We're going to talk about the Packers and their situation with Aaron Rodgers and his deception over whether or not he was vaccinated or immunized or what have you. And uh, and then we're going to uh, have a few you know random conversations and hot takes for you at the end. So, all right, let's start off with the AFC logjam, which um, appears to me very much like, uh, I, I imagine, like, rush hour. And you've got all these cars just jammed up against each other, and they're all switching lanes. And, and it, it feels like you switch lanes, and you, you get a few cars ahead, and then it stops, and you, you fall back again. I feel like every team that's 5-4 and four, or has five wins in the AFC has taken two steps forward. You know, they switch lanes, they start to gear up, they're getting going. You think, wow, okay, we got something here. And then, bop, they hit the brakes. Oops. You know, everything stops. They're not, they're not quite sure about what they are anymore and they lose a couple. So let's, let's get into that first. Well, so the five, sorry, go ahead, Will. First of all, let's just say there's 12 AFC teams that have at least four wins. At least four. Okay. Yeah. And most of the division leaders only have five wins. Or sorry, two two out of the four division leaders only have five wins. Right, right. So, so yeah. Shows, and, like how tight this race is. And that's fair because I, I see. So the only four-win team we have here is the Colts. Uh, and they're actually, so they're three games back on the Titans in that division. But they have four wins. And so that lumps them in with the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, the Broncos. How the hell do the Colts get four wins? Yeah, right. The, Colts <laughs> the Patriots, the Bills. I mean, um, so all essentially all of these teams, there's the entire AFC West has five wins. <laughs> the, the, there's only four teams that we can definitively say are are out. <laughs> yeah. Jets, Dolphins, Jags, Texans. I think we can sufficiently say they're cooked. Uh, everybody else, they're in the race. Even the Steelers, who who I wrote off as left for dead a few weeks ago, are you know climbing back into the AFC North kind of conversation. They're right too, in so. it. Yeah, they're back they're in the right thing. It's it. it's amazing, and it's like you look at even like, be the a Titans. Seed. But you look at you look at <laughs> you look at the Titans. Even the Titans two weeks ago, 
uh, I would not have considered the best team maybe in the in the in the conference. They were definitely ascending. I don't know if they were the best in the conference. And then I think this past weekend they kind of put a definitive claim on that uh, on that title kind of when they beat the Rams in LA sans Derrick Henry, right? So even uh, who else? He, yeah. yeah, who else could you make an argument for as the best team in that conference? I would have said the Bills, and then now, now like well, the Titans, because the Titans have beaten the Bills, the Chiefs, and the uh, and and the Rams, right? So like they've been on after losing to the Jets of all teams, they've been on one hell of a five game run. So, but right. even them, it's like it's it was only this week against the the Rams without Derrick Henry when they beat them handily on the road. Did they really emerge? And you're like, wow, holy shit! Look at the Titans. <laughs> they might actually you might have to remember the Titans. They, they're right. uh, you know, be back here in this building come Super Bowl Sunday. Seriously. We might see LA and uh, and Titans back in the, in the Super Bowl in LA. Like that'd be well pretty done. awesome. So potential preview there, but and hopefully with Derrick Henry at full strength. Well, that's it. The Titans have to be the best team right now. You can't argue anything else. Absolutely. And they have just a quick point. They have the easiest schedule to finish the year by by strength, like considering strength of schedule, considering this year. So this isn't the the you know preseason strength schedule. This is the team they play from here on out. Their winning percentage is the lowest of any reigning schedule from here on out. So the Titans have gotten through the hardest part of their schedule, the meat of their schedule, and from here on out, they have the clearest path to a number one seed and home field advantage in the playoffs, which is wild to, th- to think of the AFC, you know, shuffling out like that. That's what's so wacky about the entire conference this year is i feel like every single week for the last almost month and a half there's been a new best team in the afc a while back it was the chargers it was the bills uh and now it's the titans you know the chiefs were still considered the best team in the afc the first two weeks you know even at, even after they lost in, in week two you know it the entire season thus far there's been at least four like between three and five teams in the afc that have been considered the best so i'd be curious to see um because I agree, I think the Titans are a great shot, but I'm curious to see if they don't falter or fall into any trap games. I don't really believe in trap games mm-hmm. as a concept too much. I think they're a little, it's a little too kind of like um, announcery, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a gimmick. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it, it's a test of how disciplined they are. It's going to be more a test on how in control variable is that locker room. If you can keep their focus and be like, hey guys, we just had, like you said, the hardest part of our schedule. Uh, how do we stay focused against these, you know, gimmies and layups uh, on, on the rest of our schedule and not falter? Like, how do we avoid playing down our competition? That's the challenge for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's not easy. They just have perhaps the least difficult <laughs> path mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> um, I was impressed with, yeah, that their balance considering they lost Derrick Henry. And as much as I've said it already this season that, well, Derrick Henry is the Titans. So if he's out, they're going to be in trouble. But once again, I was impressed with Tannehill and his ability to make key throws at key moments, his accuracy, his poise in pressure situations. And yeah, Vrabel Vrabel certainly seems to have control of that team and know what they are. They're they're the one they're one of the teams in the NFL that has a very clear identity. They know who they are 
and they go out and they just hit you in the mouth. It's not that they're doing anything fancy or sneaky or um, confusing you so much as you know what you're going to get and you're going to get into a fight. And they go out there and they beat you up. Now, the other thing I've been impressed with, though, is their defense and how we talked about the, the Cowboys in this respect, but how opportunistic they were. And they looked really good this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And and that's the thing, because as much as I mean, I, I watched the game and, and I, I thought Tannehill actually had a really good game. But when you just look at stats, like he had 143 yards passing right. down an interception. <laughs> He did not light the world on fire. They didn't have any of their three running backs go over 30 yards rushing. And they won the game. And they won the game handily. Right. They were in control from start to finish. So they did not have any singular spectacular performance. They weren't outgunning anyone. But they just executed the right amount on the right plays. They made their opportunities count. They got the easy points. And their defense was very, very good. And that is a recipe for success. That's and unlike not- a lot of teams where when the moment is presented to them to score and put some points on the board and they, they screw it up, right? Key third downs or fourth and ones or red zone appearances, they're settling for field goals or they're turning the ball over or whatever. It, I don't. It doesn't feel like the Titans do much of that. I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, so don't fact check me on this. But it doesn't feel <laughs> like when you watch them, <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're, they're making those key moment mistakes that can turn the game uh, uh, around in a couple of plays, right? There's You watch certain games where it's like, well, they moved the ball all game, but when it came time to actually score, they screwed it up. So they didn't, you know, they got killed. Yeah, you know, the teams, that, teams that go like plus three on their turnovers over the game and and they scored zero points off those three turnovers. That's like, right. Well, right. okay. What does that yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does that mean for you? Exactly. It, it does yeah. feel like Tennessee takes advantage of those opportunities. All right. So let's do let's do this. Um let's do a quick run through the divisions and um have have a quick I, I guess we're, we're kind of revisiting our predictions from the beginning of the season, but who do we think is coming out of these divisions? Well, I've got the table up in front of me here. So uh, what I find interesting actually is if you want, we can start with the AFC North because that's the other division in the, in the AFC that has te- uh, all teams, all four teams, at least five wins. Ravens have being the only one yeah. with six wins. Right. So um, I think even out of the AFC North to me, what I like, I wrote again, I wrote off the Steelers three weeks ago and the way they've been playing since then on our four game winning streak right now, like, to me, they just keep shutting me up every week. So to me, it's like uh, in the Bengals, the ones that, you know, two weeks ago, I was singing their praises even after a loss to the Packers. But now it's they're on a two-game uh, skid themselves, right? So mm-hmm. um, to me, it's like I really think, as funny as it sounds, it's going to be uh, kicking it back to kind of earlier this past decade in, in the, the century, Ravens-Steelers contending for that number one spot. I still think the Ravens really take it, uh, mainly because it comes down to me trusting Lamar over Big Ben. Sorry, Chris. Uh, but that's who I think is going to come out of the AFC North ultimately. I'm going away from uh, my Browns pick before and I think towards the Ravens. But here, the Steelers, they absolutely need to run the ball. They do not need to run the ball with Big Ben. I'm sorry, <laughs> but when they ran him on that, what is it, a third and one? That that was, 
uh, I think they were taking his life in their hands with that play call. <laughs> Let, let's right, keep the so- ball in Najee Harris's hands. Uh, Deontay, give him the ball. Let, let's. Let's I'm glad you brought that up, Will. So I'm glad you touched on the Steelers, Chris. Let's let's do a, a little minute on on the Steelers and let you wax poetic about how they're going to push to the end of the season and get up, get in, sneak in the playoffs and and do their best. Denver Broncos, circa twenty what thirteen with Peyton Manning and and half an arm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh So Pittsburgh, their offensive line is gelling. They're playing a lot better. Um, they're not giving up as many sacks or pressures in the last few weeks as they did in the earlier part of the season. Part of that is Big Ben getting the ball out so quick, and the fact they still consistently throw the majority of their passes within two yards of the line of scrimmage or, or shorter. <laughs> um, Najee Harris, though, is getting in a groove. He's he's learning how this offensive line blocks. The old line, which is comprised right now of, I believe, two starting rookies and everyone else except for Trey Turner being in the league for under four years. It's a very young group. Um, Najee's finding holes. He's being patient. He's uh, exceedingly showing burst. He continues to hurdle people, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and he is he's one of Big Ben's leading risk. I think he's, after Deontay Johnson, Big Ben's favorite target in the sense that he might have the most, if not uh, second most, receptions on the entire team, Najee Harris. So this team is going to have to it's run It's because him. he's the closest to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, when he only throw three times of course, past of five course. yards. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, I noticed this week and last week, Pittsburgh pretty much iced the game with a uh, Deontay Johnson slant across the middle and pickup of like 30-plus yards. The previous week against the Browns, they had like a 56-yard connection. Same thing. It just helped them ice the game. This time, it helped him get into field goal range. So Deontay Johnson has stepped up into that wide receiver one role. Uh, Claypool's an excellent wide receiver two. They have excellent people setting up wide receiver three. I still think their offense is super limited because they're still in shock and way too long. But Pittsburgh has a good chance, I think, to finish maybe, I would say, six or seven losses and sneak in around sixth place in the AFC. Maybe five, depending on how close the rest of the conference goes and how we're seeing it now. But I would be surprised if Pittsburgh was, you know, a five or six seed. Really? Wow. Yeah, and, and right. then how about that uh, Pat Fryermuth? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's acrobatic in the end the zone. Two games, three touchdowns the last two games, unblockable, unguardable, and he's a pretty good blocker himself now. Like he's, and I love, I love every time he touched the ball. The Steelers fans are always chanting "Move!" Like they used to chant "Heath" back in the day for Heath Miller. <laughs> oh, I love it. And he's awesome. he's gotten no less than six targets the last three games in a row. I, yeah, I think he's going to be key as they uh, go down the stretch here. I was shocked that he's a tight end. I'll be honest. I didn't even know he was a tight end. I thought he was a wide receiver. The way he made that catch over the guy in the, in the end zone, he yeah. doesn't look that big either. No, he's not that big yet. He's going to put on a lot of muscle yet. Um, but even How the, old is the he, week 12? <laughs> he's like 20, <laughs> I think 22 or 3. But um, okay. he is he is six five, two hundred and fifty eight pounds. No. So this is not a small guy. Really? Yeah. But for a tight end, he's he's kind of yeah. He doesn't not... move like he's six five, two hundred and fifty three pounds. <laughs> no, he's shifty. Wow. He's impressive. And he's got good body control. That that he had the go ahead game winning touchdown against the Browns the week earlier, which was ridiculous. Like he it was it was a miracle a miracle he kept both feet in bounds. But well, that good. catch he made last night when he jumped over the guy to catch to yeah. Uh, Take the ball away from him. I mean, that that was just doing his best AB impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and looked like AB that, back in the day. Like they also have designed plays for him too. Like they're they 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 had a couple shovel passes to him 
where he kind of pulls behind the center and Big Ben mm-hmm. just flips it to him. Like they have like designed runs for this tight end now. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right. I like it when these guys pop out of nowhere. You don't mm-hmm. you don't really see them coming, you know, like George Kittle. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right, awesome. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Phil, though. I think uh I think I got the Ravens as the clear even though they're only a game up, I think they're the, the clear leaders in that north. Yep. And and they're probably gonna come out on top. All right, uh, quickly, let's run through through these. We're not going to take too long on this, but AFC West, who comes out of this mess of spaghetti? The Las Vegas Raiders. The That's Las Vegas bad. Raiders. Okay. I mean, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm illogical. I, I have, I'm too emotionally attached to your car as my quarterback. Uh, and honestly, like I haven't seen enough consistency yet from the Chargers to, to really put them up, I guess, above the Raiders. It's like, frankly, like considering all the bullshit that the Raiders have dealt with this season, the fact they have the same record and, you know, are only a half game at that top spot to me, it says a whole lot. Uh, again, the Chargers lost the Patriots last week and the Patriots are an ascending team. Yes, but the Chargers did not look like a no, their defense, good, you know, their defense football team suspect, for the most part in that loss. Unfortunate. They're, and I've been I running know. on that defense for all season long. They have the worst run defense in the NFL, right? So you that's not a recipe for uh, long-term success in the playoffs. I mean, it might win the division, sure. But that is not a – if it does somehow see in the playoffs, it's not necessarily a – definitely not a recipe for success. Okay, but question. My on the Raiders. Hot take here. I'm looking at the points for and against. And I know there's, you know, not there's, – there's only so much that can be drawn, conclusion that can be drawn from points for and against. But there is two of the four teams – don't look. Okay, guys, I don't know if you're looking at these or not. <laughs> All right. Ah, okay. Two of these out. teams have less points for than points against. The Raiders are only plus seven points for versus against. And the Broncos are plus 34 yeah. points for yeah. against. Yeah, it's crazy. The parity in the division. Is there an argument to be made? Is there an argument to be made that the Broncos take this division if teddy oh, can clearly. keep playing at a high level then maybe, but... hey this past week i mean dallas played a terrible game um so it, it doesn't all go to credit the broncos but a lot of it does they played a very very good game and uh it looks like they're starting to establish an identity it looks like they have a very very competent run game building up um i what their defense look like, Will? Well, Dallas made their yeah. defense look great. <laughs> yeah, was it Dallas making their defense look great? Or were they great and Dallas wasn't very good? Bit okay. Of bit of both. Um, Dallas was definitely not in sync. Um, and it was showing. Uh, having said that, Denver made all the plays they needed to. Uh, so definitely, like they get credit for that. Um, they were way stronger this week than I've seen them all year. If they can do anything like they did this week, yeah, you know what? They they played better than the Chargers had the last two weeks. They they played yeah. better than KC has in. The so last where four I'm weeks. going with this is that there's only one other team in the entire AFC who has less points against than Denver, and that's Bills. Bills. Yep. yep, that's the Bills. The Bills have a, a ridiculously low number of points scored against them this year. 118. But the the Denver Broncos that are the the second lowest points against in uh wait a second in the NFL. In the entire NFL. So not bad. 
Keep an eye on it. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I don't think I'd put money on the winning division, but, you know, that's going to be fun to watch. It's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, anything's possible when, when you got that many teams uh, stacked up like that. It's essentially like nothing happened the first eight, eight nine games. Eight games. <laughs> yeah, it makes it so much zero. more fun to watch, though. <laughs> yeah, we're starting from scratch. You're all even. So, all right. Um, and then I think, I don't know, the AFC East is somewhat interesting, whether we think the Patriots are going to overtake the Bills or not. I don't think they I think are. we will. I mean, come here's on. the thing. It's come on. Ultimately, it's ultimately all going to come down because the Bills, I believe, have had their bye and we haven't. So they've had their bye, we haven't. It's all going to come down to uh, which of the teams, uh, like, wins, I guess, through December showdowns. We played twice in the span of 20 days in December. So uh, it really is going to come down to those games. Like this credit to the schedule makers for kind of uh, setting for somehow seeing that the Patriots are descending at the same time as the Bills are kind of not stagnating, but kind of like sure, leveling out. Sure. So, hey, man. Yeah, they saw that. Hey, we're only five points before <laughs> the Bills all season long as far as offensively sports. So like our defense is not nearly as good as the Bills defense is. Absolutely not. But the defense is getting better every week. And yeah. so is the offense. We are ascending for sure. We haven't even hit full speed yet. I'm not saying we win the division or the the division not necessarily. I am saying though, if we play Buffalo a third time in the playoffs, we wax them in Buffalo. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even sure if it gets to that point though. That's the question. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. I I like. Yeah. Well, you know what? The Bills for me are a Ferrari and prone to breakdowns. <laughs> like they're a high performance vehicle that can you know, blow the doors off another team or they can spring a leak and then they just don't go anywhere. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, what happens in the snow in December? <laughs> well, that's it. It's Doing interesting it's to think it. about the way the bills are built and whether that run game is a liability once they get into uh you know whose run game is coming along? The <laughs> Patriots. So there we go. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we we hammered that log jam enough. So let's move on to the next topic of discussion. Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. And his, I'm going to call it forcing his way out of Cleveland. So a quick rundown. We all we all saw what happened. Basically, we hadn't heard anything about this. As far as we knew, OBJ was, you know, content, if you will. We hadn't heard otherwise. So he was just another player for the Cleveland Browns about a week and a half ago. Leading up to the trade deadline, his father puts out this very, um, this pretty brutal indictment of Baker Mayfield, this video showing how many times his son was wide open and Mayfield didn't throw it to him. And he even, I think, lobbed uh, an accusation of Mayfield not wanting him to get the ball and purposely not throwing it to him or not wanting his son to shine or, <laughs> or catch the ball. Which, let's I'm, just start with yeah. that. It's horseshit. Yeah, uh, that's there, there's patently no, ridiculous. There's no quarterback in the NFL who isn't competitive enough that they want to win. 
Baker Mayfield is not going to perform worse as a quarterback and as a team for the sake of any receiver. If a receiver is open and he's going to catch the ball and he's going to score points, he's going to put the ball in his hands. And he's as talented as OBJ is, then you're going to throw it to him. Like, I don't believe that for a second. There's been plenty of examples where quarterbacks and receivers didn't like each other. Flato didn't like each other through history. And they, they were all the of McNabb come to mind. Right. And they still, <laughs> man, they still performed oh, yeah. just fine. So, no, I don't, I don't believe that necessarily. I do think it's more of just a, a chemistry thing, a style thing, uh, a, a strength and weakness thing. Right. And we, we briefly talked about this offline, just the, the routes that OBJ is running are typically not the, the, routes and the locations on the field that Baker Mayfield is very good at throwing. Those aren't his strengths. So, and then there's, you know, I think there's a lot of those plays where he's just not seeing him. Like, yeah, he's, he's open, but he's not seeing him or the pressure gets to him or his eyes are elsewhere or whatever. So in any case, we don't need to get into breaking down the, the X's and O's too much, but needless to say, I don't think it was an accident that his dad just released this video leading up to the trade deadline. Um, I think it was intentional. Timing was intentional. And I don't think they wanted to give Cleveland time to find a trade partner because then he would just get traded to some dump where he didn't want to be. So it was this, let's cause a stink and they can't trade you. And then, you know, well, as we are seeing it, they're releasing him. They're going to be responsible for, I think, four and a half million of his uh, remaining contract. And he is... He's cleared waivers, as far as I know, and now he is free to sign with whoever the hell he wants. Wow. How did he manage that? I'm just going to say, how the hell did he manage that? He is an unrestricted free agent in the middle of a season. He gets to pick whatever team he wants to go play for. I mean, and it's just, I, I just, Tampa Bay. I just can't wait till I see him, you know, in that number 13 in New England. It's just going to be such a great sight. He's going to look really great in New England. <laughs> that's how we put him back in blue. Okay. All right. So you've planted your flag. You think he's going to go to New England. Do you honestly I believe mean, that, though? Well, here's the thing. I still hold on to that. I don't think it, I don't believe that. I think he's going to end up in, in, in Green Bay because I think him, two divas, and him and Rogers deserve each other. For me, it's more, <laughs> for me, it's more just I can't let go of all the feelings I had when Tommy was still a patriot when all the kind of fan renders and stuff were saying, when he initially got traded to Cleveland, why don't we swing a trade for OBJ from New York to New England? Isn't that going to keep Tommy around? So I'm still hoping that somehow if OBJ gets in the building, that means that Tom Brady will manifest again. But he is manifesting himself in the form of Mac Jones and the 2001 Patriots. That is what looking is. <laughs> that's materializing itself 20 years later in this roster. So definitely, uh, I still hope it happens. I think he could definitely add a, a good dynamic to the Patriots. But I think in all honesty, he probably ends up a Packer. See, I don't know about that. I don't think he's going to end up with uh, Mac Jones. I think he's going to end up with the real McCoy. He's going to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He's going to become a oh. uh, Tampa Bay button. No, I'm kidding. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> a... <laughs> I actually think it's more likely that he goes to New England, honestly. I think he would. He like. I think he would prefer the idea of being with a young quarterback who's going to throw him the ball because they really don't have any other options there. And on top of that, especially going on with what's going on now with Rodgers. Like, I don't know if OBJ wants to go to Green Bay because what if Rodgers isn't there next year? Then OBJ played, what, nine games with 10 games with Aaron Rodgers, including playoffs, because they're going to get bounced second round. They're going to go, 
he's going to go to, to a team with uh, without Aaron Rodgers next year and then have Jordan Love instead of go to a team like New England with, a, a, right now at least, I think we can all say Mac Jones looks better than Jordan Love and they have a, a better defense and a good coach. So I don't know. Like I feel like I, mm. I feel like that would be the better move. And on top of that, if there's one coach in the league that can has proven to be able to deal with hand like with um with you know diva receivers who have had a bit of a rough spot in their career after a promising start, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's fair. I so wow, two votes for New England. I honestly don't think he goes to New England, but that's just me. I don't think he wants to go play with a rookie quarterback. Even if he is looking good. I think he's going to uh, go to what he perceives as a real contender uh, this year. I don't think it'll be Green Bay because, and I agree with you, it's partly because we don't know what Rodgers is going to do. He could be there next year. He could not be. But I think the bigger the bigger issue there is just that Devontae Adams is the unquestioned alpha dog in Green Bay, if not the NFL. OBJ is not going to go there and get you know, a, he's a, a number a two third of the 100%. targets. Hundred yeah, percent. He's like, a resolute number two wideout. Right. He will not go there and watch Aaron Rodgers throw every single play to Devontae Adams because he doesn't have chemistry with OBJ. And it, it's been said many times in the past that Rodgers is um, the type of quarterback who has his favorites. He develops chemistry with a receiver, and he throws to that receiver. And if he hasn't built that chemistry with you, you're not getting the ball. So I just think OBJ goes in there and he doesn't get the ball. It's going to be the same thing as Cleveland. And then his dad's going to release videos of Aaron Rodgers not throwing to him when he's wide open and claiming that Aaron Rodgers doesn't know how to play quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, no, I think – and somebody before before we started in here, you know – we were talking offline, mentioned the Saints. I uh, I kind of like that. I don't think he necessarily wants to go play with Trevor Simeon or, or, or Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. So I don't know that that happens because if he's looking for a contender this year where he's going to get a lot of targets, I don't know that that's the one. But long term, I can see that turning into something pretty cool. I've heard some talk about uh, uh, Russ Wilson being interested in bringing him in in Seattle. Um, to, to be honest, I mean, this is extending the conversation a little further, but I could see him teaming up with Russ in Seattle this year and then trying to follow him to the Saints next year. Well, that would be cool. <laughs> um, I don't know how you do that, though. He's Nobody's going to sign him for a one-year prove-it deal, right? Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I don't know. He's unreliable. How he doesn't play his contracts. <laughs> how about this for a hot take? He goes and joins a young uh, quarterback and an AFC North team that is thinking they're on the cusp of making a, a real push within the next two or three years. I'm talking about the Cleveland Bra- No, I'm talking about the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. I think. No, he doesn't think, go there. I mean, in terms of fit, like they could use another receiver to help that passing and take the load off Mark Andrews. And give uh, uh, Lamar like an actual viable threat deep to throw to. I know Hollywood Brown's a pretty good deep receiver as well. Rashad Bateman's emerging too. Let's not forget him. Sure, but I feel like like I, Lamar is so good, he could be someone that gets OBJ's respect. I don't think OBJ is going to be upset 
if Lamar isn't throwing the ball because he's going to realize, dude, Lamar is going to run for 90 yards or and throw for 250. Like I don't um, know. I think their their identity though is just so run heavy, mm-hmm. right? They're all about running the ball, and as much as Lamar has thrown the ball better this year, he's still not. Like his stats are not out of this world. He's not throwing the ball that much. I think I think OBJ would have a hard time there. I don't know. But OBJ also loves to run block, so he could be a great addition on a very power heavy. No, I'm kidding. You're very <laughs> <laughs> what? Enjoys run blocking about as much as Dion ever. Enjoy tackling it. Okay. All right. So two two for New England. Will would you? I mean, do you have a guess? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I think Raiders. You think Raiders? Yeah. My my only hesitation there is that uh, Mayock has has had a little bit of a rough stretch with um, players recently, and and he may not feel like he can afford to miss on another yeah uh, free agent acquisition. Um, you know, AB ran himself out of there pretty quickly, but they're the team that joins to me the best quarterback with least talent at wide receiver in the league. They're, they're the best match for that. He could go there and he could legitimately be a number one receiver and get targets day one from a good okay. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost any other team that we're talking about, he's either dealing with a quarterback who has some questions as to whether they're going to, be able to feed him the ball enough, uh, or he has questions of competition with an established wide right. receiver. So one. the teams that I've I've heard mentioned are the Colts, the Cowboys, <laughs> which because I guess Gallup is out, so I mean they could use another receiver, but I just don't think he would go there. I, I mean they've one got the Amari, thing about the Cowboys CD. Is they've got yeah, like, but wait, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I got Amari. CD. CD is, is he a rookie or is this his second year? Second year. Second year. Okay. So CD has been pretty good this year. Some games and other games, he's been a little shaky, but Gallup is out. You got Dak Prescott. So you got one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. It's a, can be a very pass heavy offense and it's America's team. So you're on the biggest stage. You're a legit Super Bowl contender. And you get to take a shot at the Giants again. <laughs> I don't think it happens. But okay, so the Ravens, the 49ers, God help us. I really hope we don't sign him. I don't want any part of that. The Chiefs. Ooh, the Chiefs. I kind of like that. I kind of like that one. There's definitely he would get an targets there. there. He, he would. would get targets there. I know Kelsey gets lion's share of the targets there. And Tyreek's there, but listen, they don't throw the ball ten times to Tyreek in a game, and Tyreek is not the type he's the blow the top off the, the defense type of receiver. So Odell could fit in there and have his little niche. That's an interesting one. Okay. That's mine. Raiders, Patriots, wah, wah, Seattle. No way he goes <laughs> to Seattle. He's not going in there and sharing the stage with, with uh DK and, and Lockett. The Saints, yeah, but their quarterback's not great. And the Packers, nope, not happening. Okay, my bet is KC. Take that to the bank. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> okay, Packers. That one ran long. Boy, 
Um, do we actually before before we leave OBJ? Is there anything else we want to say about him? Like, is he is he ever going to get back to where he was? Let's let's that's one final question. Is he ever going to be a top five receiver again? I don't know about top five just because there's so many good young receivers again. It's just like a numbers thing. Um, I think he's got if he can stay healthy because that has been another problem with his. It's not just that Baker's not throwing the ball. It's the fact that they, OBJ's never on the freaking field to begin with. Um, so I think it's more just like can he get on the field? And actually stay there and then find the quarterback in a situation that actually agrees with him. I think that's, but I think potential wise, he's still young enough that he can make an impact. He's not yet 30. I think he's 29. So he's yeah. almost, he's, yeah, he's young enough that he can still kind of turn it around. But I think it's going to, it'll be tough for him to find the right situation. And then like a bunch of other receivers who have kind of leapfrogged past him have to all of a sudden stop producing. Right. So uh, it's, you know, is he going to be better than Cooper Cup? I don't know. Like, mm. and no one's even talking about Cooper Cup as someone who deserves, you know, similar respect this season, right? right? So, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's going to have to be talking to him. Yeah. Exactly. I, I have a hard time thinking he's going to be top five again. I, I OBJ to me is the anti DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> is like, I don't need anything to be happy. You can give me the worst quarterback in the league. Just throw the ball in my direction and I will catch it and put up a thousand yards. And OBJ is like, it seems like there's always something with OBJ. Like there's always something, something's always bothering him or something's wrong or something's, you know, there's a nagging injury or I don't know. There's just always something with OBJ. So no, thanks. (laughs) Okay. Packers. Uh, Rogers. Do I mean? Do we need to run through the the recap of this? Roger, Rogers tested positive for COVID, which set off this chain reaction of "Wait a second! Didn't he say he was vaccinated?" Or rewind the tape. Whoop. Nope, he didn't say he was vaccinated. Technically, well, they asked him, "Are you vaccinated?" He said, "Yeah, I've been immunized." Okay, so you said, "Yeah," you shouldn't have said that. If you're trying to be sneaky and say, "I'm immunized." I don't buy it. I'm sorry. So let's start round table. Quick answer. Lie or not a lie? Did he lie? Lie. 100%. It was, yeah, a lie of omission, if anything. But yeah, definitely a lie. I, I lie. purposely missed it. He's really, he really did his best to live up to the fraudulent moniker that we've been giving him recently. <laughs> so, like, I'm going to stick to that. Okay. Yeah, breaking, breaking news. Roger's a bit of an asshole. More breaking news. <laughs> More breaking news. Water's wet. Who would have thought? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's it. That's it. Same thing for me. I think you like that's a lie. I'm sorry. You you lied. You're playing a semantics game and you can try and justify it every which way you want, which is exactly what he did the other day on on the Pat McAfee interview. Yeah, it was was ridiculous. It was just I broke the rules and I lied and I was trying to you know, sneak around and get away with something. And now I got caught and now it's just trying to justify that I was breaking the rules. To quote Martin Luther King, poorly, very poorly. Come on. That was a terrible paraphrase. Um, But yeah, no. And not at all the same thing. Like, no, not to try and use that as a comparison. was just bastardizing what Martin Luther King said. Uh, That was awful. That that was so. No, I I have a real problem with that. So I mean, and in any case, in all honesty, I'm going to be very clear about this. If this isn't a should he have gotten vaccinated or shouldn't he, I'm not going to get into that argument. He has the freedom to make whatever choice he wants to about that. If he 
and according according to him, he has allergies to a couple of vaccines. So fair enough. At face value, if, if that's if that's what he's saying, then you got to believe him. That's fair enough. You're allergic. If you choose not to get vaccinated, fine. But I respect what Kirk Cousins did in that he's saying, I didn't get vaccinated. It was my choice. It was a personal choice. And I will follow every rule and protocol they have in place for COVID. Because I've chosen this. Instead of Rogers kind of saying, well, I didn't want to deal with this woke mob coming after me because I didn't get vaccinated and it's private and it's my choice. And it's then I followed some of the rules, but not all of them because they don't make sense. And no, 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 no. That's I, I don't that doesn't fly with me. I'm sorry. That That's where I have an issue. Just come out. You should have just right at the beginning said, I'm not vaccinated. I chose not yep. to. These are the reasons or not. You don't even have to give reasons. And then follow the rules. There. Yeah. Another newsflash: Rogers ref- like deflects any kind of accountability or responsibility. Oh, right. <laughs> Just backhands it away like a nice, like a beautiful uh, Federer uh, return. Just a nice backhand. Just get out of here. <laughs> we don't need you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So he now the situation now is that I guess i'm having a hard time following all of the 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 rules and and how he makes his way back onto the field but what i thought i read what i my understanding of it was if you're not vaccinated and you are positive for covid and you have symptoms that you're out for a minimum minimum of 10 days and then you need two two negative tests before you can come back which means he's likely out i think that means he's out for two games no, he's actually eligible to come back right before the Seattle game next week, um, which uh, he, you know, if anyone can play a game uh, off one day's practice, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? It's not like he's, you know, unfamiliar right. with the system, right? So right. he is potential to come back. It remains to be seen if they'll let him back or if, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur wants to throw him in there. I'm assuming he does. <laughs> but yeah, we're, I'm going to assume that he <laughs> plays that Seattle game. Here's uh, like what happens, though, if, you know, they lose against Seattle with Rogers starting, or if he has a bad game statistically. My forecast for him at the podium, let's say he throws a pick or two, is God damn it, Goodell. This is the reason why you're the reason why I'm throwing picks, man, because I have to sit out for the protocols. Like <laughs> it's gonna be a whole whole thing at the uh, podium. So hold on a second. I'm just gonna pull this up here. The the, the news has come down that for their violations of the COVID protocols, the Packers were fined $300,000. And Aaron Rodgers was fined. Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard were fined $14,650 each. Damn. Come change. on, man. Like, Pocket change. It's a I lot mean, for Lazard, but not much for Rodgers. I bet you, I bet you Cassius gets a bigger fine for his taunting his no 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 taunt taunt last night yeah that's I mean, crazy that that was but brutal anyways. on its own but um yeah no it, that's not that's not really a deterrent that's not something that's big enough and my kind of question on this whole scenario is uh, i might be wrong but my understanding is the nfl knows who is vaccinated and unvaccinated they have given the enforcement over to the clubs, yeah. to the teams to actually enforce themselves. Having said that, the NFL has sat there 
and watched Aaron Rodgers walk into every press conference without a mask for the whole season, and they've done nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious he was. So yeah. how, like, I mean, I understand it. They're trying to say, oh, well, it's the Green Bay Packers' responsibility to enforce that. Okay, but at what point is the league office able to sit there and go, wait, wait, wait a second. That's not right. Right. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it was pretty obvious. No, Nobody really wants to fine anybody a whole lot of money they're doing it because they have to and because they got caught but they weren't going to do anything about it and if they went the whole season and nobody said anything or it didn't come out nobody would have gotten fined absolutely so all right fair enough so it's a little bit disingenuous for them to kind of come out at this point yeah whatever all right i'm not i'm not too bent out of shape about all of that i mean anyways it's more just the, the the bigger thing for me is just that you know, um, the way he dealt with it, I guess, rubbed me the wrong way. Like there was a there was a transparent way to deal with this instead of breaking rules and sneaking around and then trying to justify it afterwards. That's it. I don't necessarily agree with Kirk Cousins' choice, but he was open about it. I don't lose any respect for him no. over that. Right. Right. But I, I do lose agree some with respect it, but for Rogers. Yeah, you know, for... he made his choice, and okay, fair enough. You made your choice. Cool. Um, all right, Jordan Love's first start. I thought it was decent. He looks like a guy who hasn't taken any first team reps because he plays behind Aaron Rodgers. Shocking. I thought he made some nice throws. I thought he was decent. And if you look at his stats against compared to the guy across the field, Patrick Mahomes. They're almost identical. He went 19 for 34 for 190 yards, a touchdown, and I believe an interception. And Mahomes was 20 for 37 for 166 yards and a touchdown. So, um, I don't know. I watched the game and I thought, you know, I thought Love looked uh, a bit tentative. I thought he kind of warmed up and got a bit more comfortable into the, the later parts of the game. He made some nice throws in the fourth quarter. And for the most part, early in the game, they really didn't have him going down the field a whole lot. They had some; they were keeping it pretty controlled and short passing and high percentage throws and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, in the fourth quarter, you got to, to to throw some down the field and and attack the defense a little more. And I thought he looked all right. You know, he didn't he didn't throw for four hundred yards. He's no Mike White in his first start, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought he looked okay, and you know what? As I recall, I haven't I haven't looked back at the stats, but as I recall, uh, Aaron Rodgers wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire when he started. Well, if anything, there, Nick, I think you might be dancing with fame praise, saying he's no Mike White, because Mike White, from my opinion, did way more with way less against <laughs> <laughs> yeah. debut. Like, okay, for all the talk that people say about the Packers not having enough weapons offensively, they still have the best offensive line in football, and still one of the top tier running games in football, anyways. So. It's yeah. not like he's got, and again, even with that Devontae Adams, it's not like he's Aaron Rodgers has been throwing a scrubs on the outside. Like there's a reason he wanted Randall Cobb back. So it's not like Jordan Love himself has also been dealing with scrubs, right? So to me, it's more. It's not that I don't think he, I don't think he played poorly. I just wasn't like impressed, you know. Like I kind of left the game like, eh, you know. He yeah. looked like I, you know, he looked like a bigger, more talented Tua. Like that's what the vibe I got was. I'm like, okay, like. There's probably more oh, there, really? but th- to me, I'm like, there's probably mm-hmm. more there, but like, eh, like if I saw someone in the draft who I thought was better 
I would have zero hesitations moving and like pulling a Cardinals and pivoting mm -hmm. off. Of it. If, even if he was comparable or even slightly better, like, yeah, okay. I'd rather ditch Jordan right. Love and then reinvest for right. a younger, cheaper dude. So, okay. But yeah, that's fair. I mean, we don't have the, uh, the luxury of seeing him in practice, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It wasn't inspiring. So, um, now any opinions on what's, what's wrong with Mahomes? Um, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's just, it's, he, he succeeded for so long in the NFL. He experienced nothing but that. I think it's still Super Bowl hangover. The entire team is in a culture shock. Like I remember after, I didn't think they'd be this bad, honestly, preseason, but immediately after the Super Bowl last year, I remember looking to Phil and Will, two names that are very funny to say back to back, but I remember, <laughs> I remember mentioning like, this is a kind of defeat that could cripple a team at least, yeah. uh, you know, for a few months next year, because all of a sudden you go from being this unstoppable juggernaut to just hitting a wall. And I think they're still discombobulated as a team, not just Mahomes. The entire team is still like, they have that kind of like drunkenness you get after a head injury where they're like, I, they don't know what to do. And Mahomes <laughs> is, he's inefficient. His p completion percentage is lower. His pass rating's lower. His, his touchdown interception ratio is all off. He threw, uh, a sea hair north of 50% uh, passing against the Packers. And the fact that they only scored 13 points, 13 against a backup quarterback. Again, the, the Packers are a decent roster, a good team. But if your defense only gives up seven points, I know you won the game, but like, how do you only score 13? You're supposed to be Patrick Mahomes, right? Go out and score more points. So I think, honestly, it's just the whole team is still – they're still in that Super Bowl hangover. They're so shocked. They don't know what to do. And they, your, had total yeah. crisis, they had a total identity crisis, and now they keep trying to overcompensate. They keep trying to shoot deep. They keep trying to go for, you know, 14 points in a single play. It's just like they're in their own head, and they got to, they've made some bad habits to try to overcorrect, and now they have, they're in a very bad place because their defense is terrible and their offense is not good either. So. And, and to your point too on the Super Bowl hangover, like it's not just that the Bucks, you know, you said they ran to a wall. It's that that wall punched them back square in the mouth harder than they've ever been punched, right? And mm -hmm. and since then, uh, everyone was like, the question after that game was, are is any other team going to be able to kind of replicate the Bucks blueprint? And guess what? It looks like every other team has been able to replicate, replicate the Bucks blueprint. And all they had to do really was like stop blitzing Mahomes because that will kill you. Draw, send four guys to pressure because that offensive line, even though they reinvested in it since the Super Bowl, has somehow had worse returns of investment. Like Orlando Brown is getting beat like a drum routinely. And this is also on Patrick, I think, holding the ball too long. But in general, like defenses are only sending four guys and then they're literally bracketing Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Congratulations. You've now got, um, you know, uh, uh, Patty's kind of safety blankets unlock the entire game. And, and the way the offense is built anyways, it's built for deep shots, built for, you know, like Chris says, those 14-point plays, right? So when you bracket the two guys who run longer developing routes anyways, and Patrick holds the ball as long as he does anyways, like that's not a recipe for efficiency or success. So, yeah, I think um, a lot of defense is adjusted for sure, big time. Um, and I think in general, like, the Kansas City offense hasn't kept up with the change and the way that defense involved with them, the way that, and honestly, they haven't kept up the way that the Ravens have kept up and Lamar's kept up. Like, I'm frankly more impressed with Lamar's growth uh, this season as well uh, as a passer than I have been, I guess, with any of the Chiefs have done kind of since last season. And mainly because once Lamar won MVP and people thought they figured him out last season, he's only gotten way better since then. I'm hoping we see something like that with Patrick and the Chiefs, but. I've been much more impressed with what Lamar's been doing 
uh, in Baltimore and the growth that he's shown that I have with the regression I've seen in Kansas City for sure. I think they'll be back though. Like I, I think it's just like a one-year hiatus. They'll definitely be back next year. I they think. need some soul searching for sure. Yeah, but it's gonna it, be this, yeah. This is a wake-up call because it's funny if you guys remember. I'm sure you do. The narratives last year leading up to the Super Bowl because everyone thought the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl last year. The the Bucks were an underdog. It just seems so funny in hindsight, but the narrative then was if Mahomes beats Brady, like people were talking, myself included, but a lot of people were talking about Pat Mahomes being already on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks or knocking on the door yeah. after his third or fourth professional season. So yeah. I think the the Chiefs were like, they were billed as one of the greatest teams ever. And they were so, like, it was such a oh, narrative people kept shifter. saying dynasty. Yeah. People kept saying this is, it, they this won is the one start of a New England type yeah. dynasty, right? They yeah. beat the 49ers and they go that. back to the Super Bowl the next year and it's like, oh, this is a dynasty. They're going to do this every year. In reality, like, the, yeah, the Seahawks. I, I, me being a still relatively young NFL fan, uh, being in the sense that I only started watching like religiously probably around like 08, maybe 09, give or take. Uh, but it, it's I, I haven't seen as momentous of a momentum shift um, in my time watching that I have with with the Chiefs because again they were billed as like the best team, one of the best teams ever. And then hit a brick wall, totally like they're totally discombobulated. Well, let's not like, write them off just yet. I'm, I mean, they're, they're, they're done. The well season, the, their yeah. season's done. The season's over. But you but, think so? Uh, okay, so I don't they, think they're dead. Right, they're right in the thick of it with everybody. They still have time to to make a push for the playoffs. I don't know that it's the the biggest shift. I mean, we saw Seattle. You pointed that out, Phil. That we saw Seattle have a couple of really strong years, and then every year it seems like they're in the mix, but. They have issues. And ironically, both anyways, teams ended by Brady. The thing with me, what's that? <laughs> both teams' momentum, ironically, was ended by Tom right. Brady in the Super Bowl. Right. Of course, the only the only team that had sustained momentum through an entire decade that just doesn't happen. I mean, the Niners went to the Super Bowl, and now they're they're a shell of their former self. Yeah. So the Eagles. I, I think honestly, watching them last night, or no, when did the Chiefs play? Anyways, watching them this weekend, I, it made me wonder whether. Mahomes is injured like watching him throw the ball it didn't seem like he wasn't throwing the ball the way he was last year he was missing guys his accuracy was suspect his like it didn't seem like he was I don't know whether sometimes they didn't seem like they were on the same page or he was just sailing balls too long too high like things we aren't used to seeing from Mahomes we're used to seeing Mahomes hit the open guy in stride almost every time. And it he didn't he didn't look like that. Honestly, I'm sitting there watching him and I'm like, okay, him, there's not that much difference between him and Jordan Love. Like they're they're both missing guys by a couple of yards. You know, guy goes deep and he puts it a couple of yards too far. So it just looked like those those mistakes that decent quarterbacks make. And the ones that can't hit the the deep balls consistently and, and things that are not what we have come to expect from Patrick Mahomes. So anyways, it, I have no idea. But you know how the things the, this goes sometimes, right? As much as they're supposed to report all the injuries, happens all the time. You find out at the end of the year, oh, yeah, it turns out he needs surgery as soon as the year's over. So hopefully it's nothing like that. But it made me wonder whether there's something bigger going on here, something bothering him. Will, anything? 
definitely no. possible. I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen anything that would trigger me to, to say that he's injured. Um, but he definitely, to me, he seems he's too much in his head and, and he's just not, not focused, not yeah. uh, in the yeah. right. They've, and and I think I like your point there, Chris or, or Phil. I can't remember. You both look the same. <laughs> Sound about, the same uh, too. <laughs> pressing, right? The team looks feels like they're pressing a little bit. So, all right, we're almost out of time, but let's let's wrap it up here with um, a quick conversation about. MVP candidates. I know uh, Phil has uh, a case he wants to make, so we'll we'll turn the floor over to you first there, my friend. I do indeed, and that case is for one Derek J. Carr. Not sure if his middle name starts with J. I don't know, but I'm going to assume <laughs> it does. <laughs> Anyways, my whole case for Derek is I don't think I've seen uh, in my kind of lifetime watching the NFL – uh, a quarterback had to deal with more crap this season than Derek Carr has had to deal with, or even just in general, kind of being the quarterback of the uh, Las Vegas, formerly Oakland Raiders, and all the dysfunction that, that typically tends to entail. So I think that, yes, his he, even though he's thrown for a lot of yards, and but his touchdowns are kind of, you know, mi- really mid- middle of the pack, I don't know if any kind of quarterback, uh, any other quarterback maybe would have uh, fared quite as well in a situation with, you know, maybe less leadership in Mox. And I think, if Raiders somehow end up winning the AFC West, I think he really should be in the MVP conversation there. I think he's. Uh, I, I think the fact that they're you know even competitive in all is largely due to the fact that Derek Carr is at the helm. So I think that 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 warrants something. So your your case is beyond stats. Talk about value. You need to take into account right the true value of this player in holding the team the together and rallying yes. the troops and and. Giving them the cause, something, something to fight for every week when the season seems long. Most teams would have crumbled if their head coach after they resigned yeah. after the John Gruden thing, and that was the first of a series of kind of really big, you know, yeah. BS kind of things yeah. that, that Derek had to deal with, right? So I really think that he needs a bit more kind of uh, consideration there, and I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of whether Deshaun Jackson signing does to his stats, because if that means he starts taking the top off more, if that somehow leads to more, uh, you know, defense or rather touchdowns, touchdowns because defenses are so focused on Deshaun then that kind of just, you know, might improve his case as MVP. But that's kind of who is a name that I'm thinking is, uh, deserves a lot more credit. All right. All right. Well, much respect my, to Carr for what he's done, but I don't know whether I <laughs> I don't know whether I think that's going to play out like that. My counterpoint, I think he needs to score more touchdowns. Yeah. Plain, plain and simply, he is – I don't even think he's in the top half of the league in passing touchdowns, and he's not a – running quarterback he's not lamar jackson so to me if you want to be in the mvp race he's got to score more touchdowns he's got plenty of time to do it but right now he he's not he's not performing at that level that is going to see him get those votes that's that's my take touchdowns talk Uh, honestly as far as i'm concerned uh, i like the idea and i was more proponent on this a few weeks ago of Derek Carr, even before the whole Gruden thing and everything that's happened since, I was actually rooting for Derek Carr as MVP. But like you guys just said, the touchdowns are going to hold him back. I think he should, especially if he's in the AFC West, he should be a top three contender for the MVP. But I ultimately don't think he'll get it. I think the NFL, whoever votes on this, will finally get it right again and give it to Brady. Because he should have been the MVP last year, and I think he'll be the MVP this year. His statistics well, he is are the, the odds-on favorite right now. There you go. And he should be for a reason. 
So I think I think he's got the most touchdowns as, in the league, and he's got the second most passing yards. He's going to break Peyton's record more as long as they don't lose more than five games. They, he'll probably win this MVP. I'd be surprised if he didn't. If they went eleven or sorry, twelve and five, and he didn't win MVP, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Yeah, yeah. So he is he is the odds-on favorite right now. I think Kyler is pretty pretty well up there in the mix as well. Lamar, I think, was nine to one odds right now. I mean, these are just Vegas odds, so take that with a grain of salt. But um, Lamar's someone I think bears watching. I'm I'm keeping an eye on him because of his um, ability to put the team on his back, unlike other quarterbacks. And 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 where I'm going, it's the running aspect of it, right? Is that his passing has gotten better this season? And if that continues through the end of the season, he's still running the ball a lot. And he is the guy that if things are going sideways, like we saw this weekend, um, he can lead his team back largely of his own, you know, uh, contributions. So that, that could play in his favor if he does that a few more times through the end of the season. Well, exactly. That's it. Like he's got the same number of touchdowns, same number of interceptions, and almost the same quarterback rating as Derek Carr. But the difference is that he runs. So he jumps up in that conversation because that's what he he gives you. Um, But uh, you guys didn't mention him because honestly, he had the the biggest week to forget. But um, Dak is still within this conversation. Um, he, he <laughs> yeah. put a ding in his, in his record this weekend, yeah. but, uh, he still very much has that ability that if he has a strong back half of the season, he should be in that conversation. He should be in that conversation. I think he has to have a really strong back half of the season to be in that conversation. He needs to have some signature wins, um, and signature plays like some real splashy wins and plays to kind of get the visibility and get that the the feeling um that everybody wants to to vote for him as MVP. Okay, so last quick question then we're going to sign off out of here. Detroit, did they go winless? Are they the first 0 and 17 team? We've come back to this a couple of times this year and we'll probably revisit it a couple of times more until they win one. But if they win one. Yeah, if they win one. I think they will. They'll find a win somewhere maybe two. But no more than that. I, I don't think they go winless. It's just they still have what nine games left. I, I it just would be it'd be very surprising if they lost every one of them. I I just don't see it. How, like there's bound to be an ins- like the Jags beat the Bills. There's bound to be something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like I, I, I okay, just, all right. It's a, I just don't see them losing that every single time again. Right. It's just, uh, all right. Well, they they have, have to play the Bears this again. weekend so they could get their first win yeah. this weekend. I'm sorry. <laughs> The Steelers. All right, I'm signing off now. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) So they got the Steelers this weekend. And then in two weeks, they got the Bears. They still have to play the Falcons uh, and the Seahawks. So to me, it's more just I think that Jared Goff is too good a quarterback to let his team lose one game. (laughs) I kid, I kid. They're going to go winless. (laughs) You think so? All right. Okay. Um, I think I, I might be with you. I think they're they're pretty hopeless. I feel like after Eagles, that, yeah. they threw everything in the kitchen sink at the Rams two weeks ago. 
and it felt like they were keeping up to them for a minute. And then it's like they expended every ounce of energy and strength they had into trying to beat the Rams. And then this week they had nothing. Yeah. The next week they Trump. had nothing and they got destroyed by the Eagles. And now they're just, they're beaten. They're broken and bruised and crippled, lying on the ground. And they're just going to barely drag themselves through the rest of the season, getting kicked. Limping and licking their wounds yeah. back yeah. to their fucking den. <laughs> and then, and that's it. Unfortunately, like the, the culture snowballs and um, the, the losses like that, given the history of the Lions, I, I think it eats at a locker room and I don't, I don't think that they have the, the will at this point to uh, put up a big fight. Not to say there couldn't be an anomalous game somewhere in there, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see the back half of their season going any better than the first half. Yeah. Okay. So last question, and we're not going to, we're not going to talk about this, but yes or no, does, Dan Campbell get another season, or is he a one-and-done? One-and-done. I don't think he's one-and-done, because who are they going to hire to replace? Who wants the Detroit job? Dan Campbell was the only one who wanted it, so who who's going to take it if they fire him? Eric Bieniemy. That's my question. Why would he ever want to go work for them after what they did to Jim Caldwell? <laughs> Seriously, why would any good coach want to ruin their reputation in Detroit? Because nobody else has hired him, and he should have been hired five years ago. Yeah, I and jo- I think Josh Daniels will that, accept yeah. the job and then reject <laughs> yeah. it three days later. Oh, man, the pitch session plan is either Josh McDaniels. Oh, Bill, Mike, please. Mike Tomlin's going to coach three seasons in USC, then come to Detroit. Oh. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's it. Let's wrap it up there, guys. That was awesome. That was uh, fast and furious, but we uh, we did well this week. So thank you for signing on. Thank you for your input, your insights, your energy and enthusiasm. It uh, is much appreciated and uh, and does not go unnoticed. Fun as always, fellas. Happy to be here. It's a good time. Thanks. Take care. Until next week. Cheers, guys.